What's going on, y'all? I'm Josh So Focused, and we would like to welcome you to the Mixtape, the Mixtape, the Mixtape, the Mixtape Podcast. This is episode 40, and this is a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing Knicks news of the week. If you want to find us on our socials, you can check us out on Twitter at the Knicks Take. Then you can go to YouTube, search Knicks Take Videos. If you'd rather follow on Instagram, you can find us at The Knicks Take, and you can find us on Facebook at Knicks Take Media. Now, obviously, I'm going to be running today a little solo. My brother French is on vacation right now. I believe he's in Philly. He'll be back next episode. He'll be back next week, I'm assuming. And, yeah, I'm... Light week, you know, nothing really going on. A lot of a lot of chatter with the Knicks bros this week about the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau and the young guys, the young boys. A lot of draft talk this week. And I'm going to get into a little bit of all that before the end of the episode. It's probably going to be a short one because it's just me. I have nobody to kind of throw my bounce my ideas off of. But I'm going to try and give you some uh, a worthwhile episode. Last episode on the Knicks Take Podcast, we covered All-Star Weekend, specifically Obi Toppin winning the dunk contest. And it talked about kind of how bad that dunk contest actually was and how we felt Obi's Toppin was actually done under service. We also got into Kemba Walker being shut down for the season. Derrick Rose's procedure that'll keep him out for a couple of weeks. And the Knicks lost to Miami. Apologies again. So we lead right that into the Philly at home in the garden. Mitchell Robinson matched up against Joel Embiid. Didn't really do a great job that first game. Instantly got into foul trouble guarding Embiid. Instantly was had, had to get subbed out. And we had to bring in Jericho Sims again, who surprisingly did a good job against Embiid. Knicks youth played well to end the first quarter lineup of Emmanuel Quickly, Evan Fournier, who does not fit that bill, but R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Jericho Sims gave the Knicks the lead near the end of the first. 31-30 was the, was the score at that time. This stretch included a made three by Emmanuel Quickly, who was mauled by Tyrese Maxey made the three, got to the line. I do believe he missed that free throw. It was it would have been a four-point point play had he made it. Second quarter, Philly started to, you know, take control once again. 65-56 at halftime. Surprisingly strong effort by the Knicks against one of the best teams in the league. Harden and Embiid showed why they were both the best players on the court, both knocked down jumpers while being double-teamed by the Knicks in the third quarter. One occurred at the beginning, one occurred at the end. On the Knicks side, though, Manuel quickly definitely showed that he is back. He stole the ball after an R.J. Barrett made layup, knocked down a corner three 
nobody really got a chance to really see what happened because the camera panned all off like the ball was going to go up. No. Quickly stole the ball while nobody was looking, took it to the corner, splashed the three, and kept this game close for the Knicks. R.J. Barrett was the clear leader on the court in the fourth quarter, though. He was either hitting shots. He had four out of six field goals in the fourth. He was either doing that, he was making assists, or making passes that led to assists. This game was very slow, kind of a boring game, a lot of fouls called. Philadelphia went 39, made 39 free throws out of 44. The Knicks made 22 free throws out of 35. That right there, you could tell, okay, the Knicks maybe make their free throws. This is a little bit of an easier game for them to finish, a little bit. Maybe they had the lead. Ultimately, though, the Sixers snatched this one away from New York as the Knicks could not figure out how to stop the Embiid-Harden tandem effectively. Getting very exposed on defense because they didn't know whether they needed to double one, double both, and a lot of guys got open shots as a result of that. And even when they didn't, Embiid and Harden made made their shots anyway. Sixers finished the game on a 13-2 run in the last four minutes and win 125 to 109. Now, I didn't say much about Evan Fournier in this game, but this game kind of showed the feast or famine style that he has, unless he's locked in on both ends, which more often than not, he's not locked in. You just kind of relying on him to make the big shot, which he's probably best at on this team. Like, every game, it seems like when we need that big three, Evan Fournier is one of is, is one of those guys who will who will do it for you. If you need a three to tie the game, and Fournier is usually that guy to hit it. If you need a three to kind of keep yourself in the game, Fournier is usually that guy. And you know, he finished nine for sixteen for twenty four points, six for eleven from three. The box score tells you he was our best player, but he absolutely was not. His effort on defense was basura all night. He wasn't guarding anybody. There were a lot of blown plays as a result of him just not being aware. And it's something that you kind of have to live with, with Evan Fournier. I would like to see maybe that that defensive intensity. I'd love to see that a lot more because he does have it. He can do it. He can play good defense. He can play well you know, like he can't play effectively on defense for stretches at a time. He's not ever going to be the best defender on the court, but he, like in a game like this, he was just completely subpar. He wasn't fighting. He was getting killed. He was leaving his man open. And it wasn't the only reason why we lost this game, but it was one of the the key things that you could see all night. But you also can't really take him out because there's a lot of times where the Knicks just can't get a basket. And he's one of those guys who can just always give you a basket if he's got it going. Similarly, Julius Randle was also atrocious on defense, except he couldn't sustain any offensive rhythm. He finished with 16, 30% from the field, 25% from three, 58% from the free throw line. Just throw this game away completely. We all know Julius Randle, after the All-Star break, that first game, he never really plays well. The kids, though, they did play pretty well. 
quickly. Didn't shoot well, but he played well overall and hit some of the biggest shots of the night. RJ similarly didn't shoot well from anywhere, and he had four turnovers, but he shone bright to end the game. RJ quickly and Obi Toppin were the only Knicks to score at all in the fourth quarter. RJ and Quickly both played the entire final frame. We could have done with, with Quickly shooting less and RJ shooting more. But we move right on from that Philly game in the Garden to Philadelphia, where we played the Sixers again. Difference in this game, very apparent. Early, Randall, feeling it. 12 points to end the first quarter. RJ, similarly, he was able to find that shooting touch from behind the arc. But it seemed like he was still kind of struggling when it came to being around the basket. He still didn't have a, shoot, a good shooting percentage in the, first, in the first quarter. Quickly came in and pulled up from 30 feet on a transition three seconds after checking in. Absolutely senseless that, like, you could just come in three seconds. Yo, turnover. All right, I'm just going to pull. He brought the ball up and just pulled up from three. No problem. Made the shot. Let's like, let's take it back. Let's get back on D. His float game also appears to be back. Float game was looking effortless all night. Knicks took control early behind strong performances from RJ, Randall, and Quickly. RJ finished the half with 19. Randall had 16. Quickly had seven points. Cam Reddish also looked impressive in the first half. I'd love to see how Cam Reddish can, if, if, if he can figure it out on this team. He, Definitely has shown in these past in those in these in all of the games this week, really. He's shown what he is capable of doing both on offense and on defense. However, there are still some uh, slight wrinkles in his game. I wouldn't let it keep him off the court. I I would choose to have him on the court more often than not, but that's not. It's obviously not what Tibbs is comfortable doing. And a lot of you complain about that, rightfully so. But like I said in, in one of our last episodes, we know who we have as a coach. It is what it is. There's no point in it being upset about it and complaining about it. And there's a reason and there's a method to the madness. And unfortunately for us, when the madness ain't working, we just kind of have to deal with it. Anyway. Knicks up 62 to 55 at the half. Second half was basically the Harden and Bede and Maxi show. The Knicks seven point lead at the half was quickly erased. And after some back and forth in the middle of the third, the deficit was extended to double digits. The fourth quarter was much of the same, although the Knicks did show some fight. Final score 123 108. Now, in this game, Point Barrett was in full effect. He had seven assists to three turnovers. He's definitely our best passer on the night, including some beautiful lobs and shovel passes to Mitchell Robinson. Speaking of Mitch, this was the second straight night where he was just taken out of the game due to foul woes. The only difference between this game and the first game, though, he was able to score in double figures thanks to his two-man game with RJ. Fournier and Burks were both trash, but still saw more than 25 minutes. That's bad. Still, though, Burks saw only six minutes in the fourth. Fournier saw none. That is good. And that is, you know, evidence. Why is that evidence? Well, in the fourth quarter, Cam Reddish saw the entire fourth as a result of both of those guys playing bad. He should have saw more time in the third also, but I just wanted to point out that Thibodeau will reward the young guys for playing better than the vets in a game. 
It's not, it's not like, oh, he's going to play the vets no matter what. The more Cam plays well, the more we'll see him. But that also kind of requires Fournier and Burks to play bad, which, which I know a lot of y'all don't want to hear that. A lot of y'all feel like it's pointless, it's senseless. You guys have a point. I'm never going to say that you guys don't have a point. I just want to say that on the opposite end, there is a point for doing it that way as well, as much as we all do not want to see it. So, leaving Philly. First game of our seven-game road trip. The Knicks nearly, nearly upset Phoenix at home before, well, let me not spoil it for you. An amazing, exhilarating, frustrating, and demoralizing game. The Knicks lost a heartbreak, a heartbreaker to the Chris Paul-less, Devin Booker-less, Phoenix Suns, who are currently sitting at number one in the Western Conference. Julius Randle was having the offensive game of the season to start this game. Mitchell Robinson was also out playing DeAndre. Everyone was really hitting their shots, except for RJ. Now, Despite that, Point Barrick was back again, five assists on the night. Back and forth game with lots of ties, lots of lead changes. And the drivers of this on the offense were Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, because he was doing point duty a lot of the time, Evan Fournier, and Alec Burks. I want y'all to really understand that. They all shot terrifically for the first three quarters, especially Fournier and Burks, who scored a combined 20 points in the third quarter to give the Knicks a 93-79 to lead before Reddish was subbed in for Alec Burks. You guys need to really understand that if you're the head coach in this game, you're paying attention to that. The Knicks had a key moment in the third quarter. With two minutes and 40 seconds remaining, the Knicks went up 10. Julius Randle had an altercation with Cam Johnson of the Phoenix Suns. And then after a referee tried to get in between the two, Randall shoved past the ref to push Johnson. This led to him receiving the two technicals and an ejection. He was unequivocally the Knicks' best player up until that point. Once he did that, it completely undid everything he had done in this game. Completely undid it because you have a chance to bring a win home and you allow this guy who you've been abusing all night to get you out of the game. Nobody won that exchange except for the Phoenix Suns, Julius Randle. And you need to know that in the moment. This is not, it is not a, a, a boxing match. This is basketball. You want to stay on the court. You can't allow your emotions to get the best of you. This led to him receiving two technicals and an ejection. He was an equivalently the next best player. I just said that. He finished, the with, he finished the night with 25 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. He was 50% from the field and the three-point line. He was also 100% from the free-throw line. That was, it was just a really good game. He could have scored 30, 40 points if he played in that fourth quarter. And once again, the only person, only, the only thing that he did by shoving Cam Johnson was get himself out of the game and made it more likely for the Knicks to lose this game, which they did. As you might have expected, the Suns cut into the lead during the fourth, behind the three-point heroics of Cam Johnson, who was getting bullied by Julius Randle all game prior to that altercation. This was a career night of scoring from Cam Johnson. Once again, Julius Randle, what are you doing? R.J. Barrett mostly was the offensive first option during the fourth quarter, 
And while he was missing, he was two for 10 in the fourth quarter. Yuck. His shots were actually helping the Knicks as it led to easy Mitchell Robinson putbacks. He had five rebounds in the fourth, plus seven points. Speaking about Mitchell Robinson. In the end, the Knicks had the lead with seconds left on the clock after a Mitch offensive rebound and put back to put them up one. Mitch was... I just have to say this. Because of what Julius Randle did, the best player in this game on the Knicks was Mitchell Robinson. Julius Randle would have had best player on the Knicks wrapped up. Even though his defense really wasn't, you know, all that, his defense hasn't been good and I don't know how long. He, his offense just more than made up for whatever defensive struggles he did, he had in this game because he was knocking down everything, mid-range, three-pointers, everything he was making. And because he allowed himself to get taken out of this game, I can't give it to him. I have to give it to Mitch. Mitch made the most important basket of the night, put the Knicks back up by one after getting an offensive rebound off of an R.J. Barrett miss. Then the Knicks defended beautifully and made a stop at the other end. And I believe Mitchell Robinson was the, was the one who contested that shot at the other end. It looked like we were going to win once Alec Burks corralled the rebound and was fouled. But in true Knicks fashion, Burks bricks the second free throw, allows the Suns to get the ball to Cam Johnson, who ran it up, pulled up, banked it from three with time expiring. Knicks lose 115-114. Like I said before, Mitchell Robinson, best player from the Knicks overall, outplayed DeAndre Ayton, somebody who the Knicks might be looking to replace Mitch with in free agency unless they offer him a contract or unless they might have to do a signing trade for him. But if they don't sign Mitch and bring him back, they might be looking at DeAndre Ayton, who's a restricted free agent, after the Suns didn't uh, offer him a contract last year. 17 points. 15 rebounds, one assist, four steals, and three blocks to Mitchell Robinson. Just an overall great effort for Mitch. This is the guy that you want to pay money to if he does this night in and night out. RJ was the engine of the offense for most of the night, and even though he was missing everything, Randall might have been the best player before his ejection, but the best off the number one option as far as running the offense was RJ Barrett. Nick's team plays his best basketball when you have the ball in RJ's hands, regardless of whether he's making the shot or not. And a lot of teams are up on him. They know that he can take over a game with his shot making, with his finishing ability. If he's finishing in a game, if he's shooting the three well, if he's doing what he can, he's getting to the free throw line. The other team knows that RJ is actually the guy that you need to stop between the two of them. And if you don't stop him, even if you do stop him, even if you make him miss, the fact that he's able to draw attention from the other players, it just opens everything up for other players, especially Mitchell Robinson. A lot of people upset that Cam Reddish got subbed out. And I want to point back to something I said earlier. Evan Fournier and Alec Burks shot 100% from the field. Excuse me, Evan Fournier didn't miss one shot, I believe. It was Evan Fournier. One of them only missed one shot in that third quarter. And they both scored 10 points each in the third quarter. Yes, Evan Fournier's defense was trash all night, but when you lighten it up like that for the first three quarters, you have to put you have to put him back in the game. You have to, especially in that third after that third quarter he had, that third quarter he had it it solidified the Knicks lead, him and Alec Burks and Julius Randle. Those those three solidified the Knicks lead in the third. 
in the fourth quarter, with Cam out there, the Knicks' lead went from, what, 13, 12 points? The, the Suns cut it all the way down to four. Now, yes, after the Suns cut it down to four, Cam Reddish absolutely scored the basket and got them back up six. But that completely negates everything that happened when he was on the floor before that. And I'm not saying that it was Cam's fault. I thought Cam played a very good game. But I, I don't know who, I don't, I don't know. Fournier has to get back in the game. Burks has to get back in the game. R.J. Barrett is not going to get subbed out for, is not going to stay off of the court for Cam Reddish. R.J. Barrett, even when he's missing, is, has a more fleshed out game than Cam Reddish. And then, I, I forget who else we had at the end of the, at the end of the game. I'm going to look that up now, but maybe you say somebody else should have been subbed out instead of Cam? I'm willing to hear that argument. But if you're saying that no, Reddish should not have been subbed out for Fournier because Fournier is terrible, I need you to go back and watch that third quarter again because Fournier was hitting a lot of the big shots. He was. And yes, in hindsight, it's a bad, it's a bad call. Because in hindsight, you could say, well, Fournier didn't really do anything in the fourth quarter. But if Fournier was hitting them shots like he hit in the third quarter, Nobody would be questioning it. You would be sitting here saying, well, damn, I think that I thought that was a bad call, but obviously this, that's why Thibodeau's a coach. Fournier had a great game outside of the fourth quarter. And Cam was in there for all of the key moments. When the Suns took that lead right before Mitch got the lead back, Cam was on, was on the court for defensive purposes. At the end of the game, Cam was on the court for defensive purposes. I wish I had a, I wish I had the chance to actually rewatch and look exactly at what happened at the end there with that defensive breakdown and how Alec Burks ended up having to to scramble and guard two guys and leave Cam Cam Johnson open. I would love to know where Cam Reddish was on that play. I would I, I know that RJ Barrett, who I'm going to speak about in a second, I know RJ Barrett was looking kind of lost on the defensive end. It seemed like everybody was kind of lost on the defensive end. But Cam didn't pick up, Cam Reddish did not pick up Cam Johnson. And if you want to say that, oh, it would have been better to have Cam Reddish on the court there for the whole fourth quarter, I, I don't know. I feel like Cam Reddish was getting burned by Cam Johnson also. I don't think Cam, Cam Reddish being on the court for that entire fourth would have made a difference. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think that he definitely plays better defense than Evan Fournier. I never want to see Evan Fournier in the fourth quarter but I understand why he is out there. Evan Fournier is a big shot maker, and he was one of the big shot makers on this night. So I know I just kind of breezed through all three games this week, but like once again, I, like I said, I've got nobody to kind of throw my opinions and thoughts off of. So instead of continuing on with, the, with these last few games, I'm going to talk about two topics. First topic I'm going to talk about is the Knicks tanking for a top five pick. I have been kind of against this for most of the season. I, I feel like you should always, as long as you have a shot to make it to the play-ins, you should try. But with the way that the Knicks have been playing, with the absence of Derrick Rose, the absence of Nerlens Noel, 
and and let me let me just clarify that last part. I don't want to see Nerlens Noel on the court unless he's healthy. But the absence of those two, the absence of Quentin Grimes, I don't think that this team is good enough with the guys that we currently have to finish games. And it's obviously that's the case. We we've lost how many games in the past few weeks, in the past month, after leading by double digits, including this last Phoenix Suns game, we were up by double digits before we lost this game. Obviously, this team is not talented enough to get the wins that they need to get. And at this point, I don't see us rattling rattling off enough wins to get into the play-ins. Even though there is a chance, because... Look at the games that we've just played. Yeah, we didn't finish the games, but we took Philly to the fourth quarter two straight times. The end score in both of those games was not indicative of the entire game. We just took the Phoenix Suns, who admittedly were missing their two best players, but they're still a top, they're, they're still the best team in the Western Conference. We took them down to the wire. We took the Brooklyn Nets down to, we, we were up uh, double digits to, to the Brooklyn Nets. Miami Heat, we took down. Like, all of these are good teams that we have played against, and we just didn't have enough talent to just finish it out. I think that something should be said for that. I understand a lot of us don't want to have the whole moral victory conversation or whatever, but it just needs to be said. Uh, There's a lot of, so there's a lot of conversation. I'll talk about that next, but... I am now bored the tanking for a top uh tanking for a top five pick train. And after looking at these guys whose names I've heard throughout the season, but haven't really done the due diligence to really check on, I looked at some videos of four guys. Actually, we're gonna include five because there's one guy who I do believe if the Knicks stay where they're at currently in the seating when it comes to the lottery. If they don't move up, they stay right where they're at. There is one guy who, if they don't move up to the top four, there's a guy I think that they should take. Ultimately, though, I still don't think that player is going to uh, amount to much on this team because he's not he's not obviously a starting potential point guard, and that would be uh, Ty Ty. Now, Ty Ty Washington is a point guard for Kentucky. Well, actually, I think they have him more as a combo guard there. And I I made the mistake of watching his clips after watching somebody else who I'm going to talk about. And now I am like, no, there's absolutely no reason why I would. The only reason I would take him is because he's there. That's not to say he's a bad player. Ty Ty Washington is very well rounded. He he's a point guard. He can he can make the pass. He can he can shoot. He he has a pull up jumper. He 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 is very well rounded. But I can see him having a ceiling of bench player, bench point guard, backup point guard, a very good one. But I don't see him as one of the star point guards in the league. And I'm tired of the Knicks having guards and point guards who are the best point guard on this team, but would not start anywhere else 
in the league. And that's how I kind of feel that Ty Ty Washington would be. I, I do like his game. I would want to see if we don't get a top four pick, top four pick in this draft. Yeah, that's who I want. That's who I want the Knicks to target because there's no way that they're going to move up in this draft because everybody knows that the, the guys that, you, that, you, that you're going to pick in this draft, you're not going to give them up unless you're getting a superstar back. And that's just the way it is. The Knicks are not going to give up anything to get to that. Like, the price is just going to be way, way, way too high for all of those guys. So after talking about Ty Ty Washington, there, there is another guard who plays for Purdue. It's getting a lot, a lot of fanfare. And honestly, if the Knicks can tank enough to get to that top four seating, I'm hoping that they pick Jaden Ivey with the fourth pick. Now, Ivy is not a point guard. Let me just repeat. He is not a point guard. He is listed as a shooting guard. He's going to profile as a combo guard. He can do some point guard duties. But he is not a guy that you are saying, here, run my offense. Which is perfectly fine with me. Jaden Ivy is a guy who I think on a team with multiple guys who can, who you don't really want to run the offense every single night, he it'll be fine. Some days you want him to run the offense. Sometimes you can have RJ run the offense. If you get a point guard and you, if you get rid of Julius Randle and you get a point guard and, and have that guy be your number one driver of the offense every single night and then you can have one of those guys be the secondary or tertiary off uh, offensive providers i'm 100 fine with that this guy is explosive he can shoot from everywhere he's a, a three-level scorer he can defend he, he he has hops he can dunk like he, he he has lots of clips where he's dunking he's got he's got a package a layup package he can finish Jaden ivy is is one of the best prospects and he is currently projected to go fourth, but some people are saying I could see him going second in this draft. He's a sophomore. He's 20 years old, or he will be 20 years old at draft time. Six foot four, 200 pounds. He's built. I, I really like what I see when I watch him play. The only thing that I don't like when I see him play is occasionally he can be a little out of control. He can turn over the ball. He can make a, a couple of poor decisions offensively. Sometimes he, his shot his shot selection is not the greatest, but his style profiles to me better in the NBA than how his team is currently playing. So, yeah, I would I am all in on Jaden Ivey. I am 100% hoping that the Knicks can somehow squeak into that top 4 lottery pick and whether that be they stay where they're at and they, for the first time in, since, since we drafted Patrick Ewing, move up in the lottery, or we lose enough to more likely secure that top four spot. Next up, Paolo Banchero. Now, this is a guy who 
originally I was thinking, oh, I'm not really looking at any big men. We have enough big men. We got Julius Randle. We got Mitchell Robinson. We got Nerlens Noel. We got Obi Toppin. Like, there's no point in getting a big man. But, and then I suddenly was like, well, all of the top three picks in this draft, the top three names outside of Jaden Ivey, all are big men and they all are freshmen. They all are young. And Paolo ben Banchero or, or, or Banchero or however you say his last name, he, he's kind of like a mini Julius Randle, except he's a lot better at the mid-range than Julius Randle is. He's a lot better passer than Julius Randle is, at least at this, at this stage in his career. And if there's anybody that you, if you want to say, listen, I'm, we're going to replace Julius Randle with this young guy, you could probably do it, Bonchero. He's six foot 10, 250 pounds. He averages one block a game, one steal a game, 19.2 points per game, 8.7 rebounds. Like, this is a guy that you, I would love to see him under Tibbs and be treated like how Randall should be treated. You know, if Bonchero was on this team as a rookie, Tibbs is going to lay into him the way that he should be laying into Julius Randle. And that is going to make him a better player. So get rid of Julius Randle, put Bonchero in there. I would be 100% down for that if that is the way that this Knicks team goes. I just hope that they find a point guard to fill a role that we have needed for I don't even know how long. Next up after that, Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith is another power forward, six foot ten, two hundred and ten pounds. Not quite similar to Julius Randle in terms of style of play, but he he profiles to have one of the more higher upsides out of the three big men. Jabari Smith just has an all around game. He can guard multiple positions. He can shoot from everywhere. He is just a very well-rounded player. Some people have him going first because of all of the things that he is able to do. But the guy who is almost universally considered first, the number one choice if, if, you're, if you're at that spot, is center Chet Holmgren. I've watched Chet. Chet is an undersized in terms of mass center. He's seven foot, 195 pounds. He is, he weighs less than the two power forwards that I listed before him, who are both 6'10. Bonchero's 250, Jabari Smith, 210. Chet Holmgren is 195 pounds. With, now, despite that, Chet Holmgren is probably the best player out of all of them. He's got scores 19.3 points, 13 boards, two and a half assists, 4.8 blocks, 0.9 steals. This guy does it all. He does it all on the court. He has, it seems like he has no flaws. And if he can get his bulk up and he, he's not injury prone in the NBA, there is probably a very good chance that he's going to be one of the best big men in the league. And if that's the way that you go and you lose Mitch, you have somebody who can protect the rim in Chet Holmgren, which is, I am, you know, that would be the only way that I would be, I would be okay with losing Mitch. Don't want to lose Mitch for nothing. But if you're going to lose Mitch, if you, if you get that number one spot and you draft Chet Holmgren, 
see if you could do a sign trade for Mitch and get something back, maybe a point guard. And if you could do that, I would consider that a, a successful NBA draft. I would consider that a successful NBA offseason for the Knicks. And that is my quick draft update where I think that the Knicks should be trying to top tank for a top four pick. Not top five, because after that four, it gets really sketchy. Uh, I know I said I, I like Ty Ty Washington, but Ty Ty is nowhere close to those other four guys. And that's really the only thing where, like, if if I am trying to choose between losing enough games, you, in, in order for me to accept losing enough games, the Knicks have to get a top four pick. If they don't get a top four pick, I'm not going to be happy. If they win enough games and they can still get Ty Ty Washington at the end of that, that like they don't even have to make the play in, and I'm be I'll be fine with that. But losing games and then getting to five, six, seven, eight, I'm not okay with that. And you, I don't want to hear anybody being mad at Tips because we've been losing games anyway, and we're losing games trying to win games, but we're still losing the games. So there's nothing more that Tibbs could do in terms of the tank. So whatever the Knicks do from here on out, it you can go either way. Either the Knicks can win more games and you still get a guy, you know, point guard and tie tie, or you make it to the play-in. Or you can get a top four draft pick and, and, and select hopefully a Jaden Ivey if you get that number four pick. Now the other topic I want to talk about, a lot of people are getting on Tibbs' case. I understand it. I get it. I don't think that firing Tibbs in the offseason is the right move. I think that the Knicks can rebound from this season. I think that a lot of this stuff is overblown. Yes, he's not playing the young guys. Yes, I do want to see Cam Reddish more than I want to see Evan Fournier. Yes, he did do something stupid by leaving R.J. Barrett out on the court and, uh, and potentially getting him hurt when he didn't need to. Yes, he did blow that timeout that he thought that he could do a challenge and he couldn't, and that probably cost us the game. Yes, there's a lot of things that Thibodeau does where we could be better offensively, but we're not. Yes, there's a lot of things that Thibodeau could do in terms of helping us develop our young guys, and he doesn't. Yes, there are things that he can do that would make us probably a better team that he just does not want to do. But all that being said, this is a man who still got us to play way above our head last season. This is a guy who I believe still has the confidence of the team that he's currently playing, that he he's trotting those players out there for. Why do I believe this? Because Emmanuel quickly just had the roughest stretch of his entire career and now he's playing back to the same way he was playing last season. Cam Reddish, even though he's playing less minutes and he's not starting like the way he was in Atlanta, he's playing some of his best basketball from what I can tell. He's he's largely eliminated that mid-range pull-up game that he that he likes to do and he's playing within the flow of the offense. I would love to see more of Cam Reddish in that sense in the way that he's playing now under Tom Thibodeau. Quentin Grimes Quentin Grimes is, is, is being absolutely adored because of the system that he plays in. Like, I, 
I shouldn't say because of that, but Quentin Grimes wouldn't look as good as he does if we didn't run the system that we ran on defense. Like, he like we run a defense that allows Quentin Grimes to shine. We we run a defense that allows a guy like Mitchell Robinson to shine. If you want it, if you go out there and play that defense, you're gonna look good. Like, there's no like there's no way of of watching these games and watching the style of basketball that the Knicks play. And it's not that they don't have an an identity or they don't know what to do. Everybody knows what they have to do. It's about what they're capable of. And Quentin Grimes is capable of doing anything that Tom Thibodeau asks him to do. And that's why he looks so good. And on top of that, he can shoot the hell out of the ball. Like, we are currently, right now, watching a team who has a bench that is entirely made up of young guys and then we have a starting lineup that has rj barrett and mitchell robinson i understand that some of you would like to see one or two less vets play on this team and you'd love to see those one or you'd love to see the rest of those vets get no more than 29 to 30 minutes a game but i think that an argument can be made that that is not what that is not what's best for our young players think it's best for these guys to back up the vets to get to to fill in the minutes when the vets play bad they get more minutes and they earn their right to play and they show they get the chance to show yo i'm better than the guy in front of me there's not quan grimes has not unequivocally shown that he is 100 better than ever fournier or alec burks he is better than them both on defense he has 100% the potential to be better than both of them on offense, but he hasn't shown it yet. He has shown the ability to get there. He has shown flashes. He had that amazing game where he started his first career start and he shot the lights out of the ball. But the the statistics of both Alec Burks and Evan Fournier and the history of both of them, they are one big pile of evidence that, Evan, that, Alec, that uh, Quentin Grimes, excuse me, has to get over and he has to do it on a consistent basis he has to do it repeatedly he has to show with the time that he's out there that he is better than each and every time on the court in order for him to get those minutes and i don't think that there's anything wrong with that is it the way that i would do it absolutely not is it the way that i want to see it absolutely not anybody who knows me and has heard me talk about frank nilakina and heard me talk about other young players and, and, and bitching and moaning about the way that that they're being treated and what we're losing anyway and all that stuff. I 100% understand your perspective. The only difference for me, though, is that those teams, we knew right out the gate we're going to lose games. The coach was told right out the gate that you should win games, but we should have known right out the gate that they were going to lose games, and it made no sense for us to just have a full entire season playing the way that we were. There, that's not this season. This season, this coach was told, go out there and try to do last season again. Tibbs failed. Tibbs has not had a coach, good coaching year. I'll give you that. Tibbs has not handled this year the best. Or he hasn't, I wouldn't even say he's handled it okay. I'll give you that. Do I think that he has the ability to come back from this and 
get us back to where we were last year with bet with a better roster of players with a, a year of Quentin Grimes under his belt of knowing what uh, knowing what Quentin Grimes is and what he can be under his belt of knowing what Emmanuel quickly a, a second year of Emmanuel quickly a second year of Obi Toppin a half a year of Cam Reddish like RJ Barrett taking the leap Mitchell Robinson potentially coming back do I think that Tom Thibodeau can coach those players and make them a winning team next season. One hundred percent, I do. And I and if Deuce McBride, I have I understand a lot of people are begging to see Deuce McBride play. Deuce McBride, I would be okay if I don't see him for the rest of the season. Do I want to see him for the rest of the season? Do I want to see him start? Yes and yes. But I don't think that it's bad for him to get all of these reps in the G League and just absolutely demolish teams and opponents in the G League if he's not going to be getting minutes on the main team. Now that you could say, well, that means he should be getting minutes on the main team. It's very late in the season. I feel like Thibodeau would be more comfortable bringing him along the way that he wants to bring him along. If, if you're not going to be playing in from, fir- from the first game and playing consistently, you're better off just learning from G League. And then in the off season, we could talk about how we're going to bring you into this rotation, how, how we can utilize you the best. I feel like that might be better for, for, for Deuce than throwing him out there. Like a lot of you guys wanted him to be out there and be our starting point guard against teams like the Brooklyn Nets, against the Miami Heat, against Philadelphia 76ers, against the Phoenix Suns. And if he goes out there and he wets the bed, who is that like? That's isn't that potentially setting him up to fail? Isn't that potentially killing his confidence? And you could say that's worth the risk. You could say, well, we need to put him out there to see what he is. But I, I don't know. It's it's not as simple and it's not as cut and dry as that to me. Now, I've learned from my time with Frank Nilakina. Do I think that Frank Nilakina every single minute? To, to soak up the NBA game, to switch his game, to turn his game, to, to, to learn the NBA game, I 100% do. I think that might have changed his career had the Knicks done that. But something could be said about the way that he was actually treated. And you could say, well, if he was good enough, he should have seen things that the coaches, he got a lot of minutes his first year. He should have, he should have been outplayed his competition and he never did. That is also true. That is something that I've tried to argue, but I, I have to acknowledge it's a good point. Same thing with Deuce McBride. I love his defense. I love his ability to hit a shot. He played in this Phoenix in this last Phoenix Suns game. I didn't bring him up because he didn't do anything on the court. He didn't do anything defensively to make me really be like, yeah, this is why Deuce should be playing. Play. He didn't. He didn't score the ball. He didn't run point guard. Yeah, but. That's even more reason why he should have made a stamp in this game because he you don't if you need to be the guy who's holding the ball and bringing the ball up. How does that work with R.J. Barrett? R.J. Barrett was doing that in this game, and the, this offense looked really good with R.J. Barrett bringing the ball up. Yeah, maybe Alec Burke shouldn't be doing it, but you have to think about if you want Deuce McBride to start, he's going to start again along alongside R.J. Barrett. He has to be able to do stuff off the ball. He has to look good on both sides of the court. And if he does, if he is not able to look as good as he does in G League as he does as he can against regular NBA competition, 
it is what it is at a certain point. Now, hopefully this Knicks team, hopefully this coach can do right by Deuce McBride and make him be the player that we all hope and believe that he is. Who knows? We're going to have to see that in a year or two, unless he gets fired this offseason. But once again, I don't think that that is the best move for this team. I think it would be reactionary. I think that we have stuck with a lot worse coaches for a lot longer who never took us to uh, a playoff berth, who never made us a top three or top four seeded team, who never made us one of the best defensive teams in the league. This coach has done that for us. And because we don't like what we see or we don't know that Deuce McBride like, we can't see whether Deuce McBride is actually an NBA starter point guard or not. That, for us, means that Thibodeau should be fired. I, I just can't subscribe. I can't subscribe to that when he's already won with his style of coaching for us. He, he needs another bad season before I can completely throw, the, throw him in the garbage can. And I think that's fair. Uh... Julius Randle, we've had three seasons of Julius Randle already. One was one was bad, one was good, and this one, I don't even want to say it's mid. I think this is another bad season for Julius Randle. We've had three. I I wanted him traded after the first one because I was like, this is all I have to show. I, I instantly, once the first few weeks of Julius Randle played well, I said, all right, we're back to square one with him. We're not back to square one with him. I want him traded. I don't think he's going to be good for us in the long run. And yeah, I, I the same kind of one for one. Everything is square and clear with Randall. That's that's the type of uh, cachet I want to give Thibodeau. I want to give him one at least a half season before I say, all right, we can throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because I don't think that he's done. I, I, I don't think he's done a great job. I think that there were times last season where he was exposed as a coach. I think that this front office could do more for Thibodeau, and they should give him an offensive coordinator to help him out, which I believe was Mike Woodson's role last season. And if you do that, you give him an offensive coordinator, I think that would help a lot of things. But if you just have him out there and just be like, all right, go ahead, coach the team, I, I do think that you're doing this team a disservice by not trying to give Tibbs a little bit of assistance in on the offensive side of the ball. With that being said, I think Tibbs is should stay here for at least another half season. I don't think he needs to be fired now. I don't think he needs to be fired in the offseason. Potentially, he is the tank commander. I don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but potentially he is the reason why we're losing this on purpose. And for a lot of us, that is a good thing. So you might want to keep Tibbs as, as the coach if you want the Knicks to keep losing. All right, I'm going to get into predictions and we're going to get out of here. Last episode, I predicted that the Knicks would go 0-3 while French predicted 1-2. I warned him. I said, probably better off going 0-3. I could not get myself to go 2-1 with this, with this Knicks team because this team... They they keep blowing leads, and once again, that is why the Knicks have gone zero and three. They have lost seven straight, and I won. I was not able to contact French to know what his predictions are, but 
I might add a little clip at the end of this, or you know, I might start it off next next episode with the clip to say what French's predictions are. But the Knicks will play the Los Angeles Clippers tonight, the Sacramento Kings tomorrow, Dallas on Wednesday, and Memphis on Friday. Four games this week. And my prediction is the Knicks will go one and three. I, I I had to hesitate there because I've definitely thought mm, 0-4 is on the table because they definitely play to their competition, the Knicks do. And I have no idea what's going to happen over these next four games, but we'll see what's going to happen. All right. I The only thing I have to plug is my obsession with promising shows that got canceled. I started a show this week called Why the Last Man? based on a graphic novel that I have heard of but haven't read. I said, oh, this is right up my alley. I'm going to start watching it. I watched the first episode. I said, this is an interesting concept. It is an interesting concept. It's not really like, I, I don't want y'all to be like, oh, Josh said that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's a really slow start, but the concept is interesting enough to keep you into the, into the show. It, it, the concept and the themes and the plot, it keeps you interested enough like if you have too much to watch yeah you're not going to watch this show but if you're just looking for something to watch this show keeps you interested enough to keep watching to see if it gets better and slowly it is getting better and then i went to see okay how many seasons of this show are there and i said oh it started last last year so let me look and see when season two starts only to find out that the season was that the series was canceled midway through the series. And it wasn't because of, you know, how bad it was or anything like that. There are some good actors. There are some, like I said, the, pl the plot is interesting. It was canceled because it was just basically being produced for so long. And a lot of actors were on the books for so long. And it wasn't like a smash hit right out of the gate. And because of that, yeah, we're just going to cut this because we don't know, we don't know enough about whether it's going to uh, recoup the money that we are spending on it. So Why the Last Man is a show that I wanted to kind of recommend this week. Put it on the list of other shows that have been canceled before they completely completed their run. Cowboy Bebop, I, I mentioned earlier in the, on, on the podcast. Altered Carbon is another one that had two or three seasons. Actually, it had two seasons and then it was canceled. And you know, Altered Carbon is a show that I really liked. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest show, but it just the concepts were interesting. And I was really upset that that got canceled. There's another show that I can't currently think of, but I probably bring it up next episode of a show where I started watching it and I was really interested in it, and then it got canceled. So, yeah, that that is my plug. All right, y'all, I've, I've talked for almost an hour. Once again, I appreciate you. I love you. French also sends his love. Thank you for listening to the Mixtape Podcast. The Mixtape Podcast. The Mixtape Podcast. The Mixtape Podcast. That intro music was Broadway Boom by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.